Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 4 p.m. Central. That means I must be Fred McMurray, and my co-host must be Ray Pillar, and this must be the Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of franchising success. Hey, Ray, how you doing? I'm doing great, Fred. How about yourself? Um... It's been a wild week, and and it's been, for the most part, a good week. Um, There's been some bad stuff, but we won't talk about that. Uh, No. What about you? It's been a busy week for me. I am (laughs) trying to install new computers at work. I'm looking for another house (laughs) in the area, and... uh, you know, just uh, kind of crazy getting ready for my trip. I'm leaving Saturday morning and uh, going down to Asheville in North Carolina uh, for a rally. So I've been busy trying to, you know, keep up with things. You know, it's it's sad. If you're going next month, you could have stopped at the Great American Franchise Expo in, in Raleigh on the 10th and 11th. So, um, wow, I just missed that. So, Will we be interviewing somebody while you're on your trip? I don't think so. Uh, it's, you never know, though. It's possible. I will be there uh, on our broadcast day. So if I find uh, a business owner who is currently involved with a franchise, uh, either has owned one or will own one or does own one, I'll probably try to get him in uh, on our radio show. Well, that's you know that's really awesome because um, I had a phone call yesterday with a gentleman um, who came to us via one of our listeners, and this gentleman was um, is has in the process of uh, looking for a franchise to buy, and it was kind of wild because all the questions he was asking we've talked about on the show, um, and so I was able to spout raise rules at him and uh, as far as i know he's listening today so if you're still if you're listening today give a call at 323-580-5755 that's 323-580-5755 so i thought we'd just kind of talk about some of the questions i was being asked and um i'd see we've already got a caller on holding so before we take that caller i'll just ask the first one ray for our, our the gentleman I was talking to yesterday, he said, "How much money do I really need to get into franchising?" And I spouted Ray's rule, but I'll let you um, answer the question: How much money should somebody have when they're buying a franchise? Well, of course, the franchise or will always tell you a number that you need. Uh, sometimes that includes a little bit extra. Uh, but I'd say in most cases it does not uh, because they're interested in lowballing it to you know see how many people they can uh, get in to buy the franchise. So I always suggest to everyone because uh, sometimes they people forget about you know uh, not only the ongoing costs while uh, you're waiting to get to the point of break even that you, you have other uh, expenses as well. And some of those uh, are unusual and ordinary payroll and, uh, uh, you know, paying your own household expenses, your mortgage, and, uh, of course, you know, your family and everything. 
but there could be some surprises along the way. The economy could take a dip suddenly. And, uh, you know, if you've just invested, I'm going to pull a number out of thin air, let's just say uh, $300,000 in, in, in a, a franchise, it would be a real shame to say goodbye to $300,000 just because you needed a couple of grand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, always at least double, uh, possibly three times whatever the franchisor says that you'll need. So what you're saying is, is there, there's what the franchisor says you, you're going to need. There's uh, and you need to assume what three to five years before you become break even, potentially. Uh, obviously, you know it depends on the franchise. In my case, it took a little longer than the franchisor told said it would, but uh, I had a lot of competition in my area, uh, but. I, I said pretty much right now we uh, sort of dominate the area, so it took a lot of advertising to to get to that point. But um, you know, it's really hard to say uh, if it's a franchise that is one of the very popular ones. It could be a year, and then again, it, you know, it could be five years. But you know, I want to. I think what I'm trying to say is don't don't give up the hope if it it takes a little longer than usual. And, and and as part of the answer to this question, you're also saying the franchisor isn't including your living expenses, your rent, your car payment, your mortgage, food. And you need to, when you're figuring out how much it's going to cost, you're saying make sure you take that into account of being able to live while you're working to get to break even. Yes. And, and of course, that depends on your own lifestyle, you know. Uh, if you're used to driving a Maserati, then you better have a lot of money in the bank to support that. But uh, you know, yeah, if you're, that's if true you're whether not, you're buying yeah. a franchise or not. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so um, I'm going to come back to something you said because that was actually something I touched on uh, with the person I was talking to yesterday, and that was competition. But before we go into that question, let's bring our caller on. Two four eight three zero two. Say hello. Who are you? Where are you? What's the weather like? Hey, Fred. It's Ron Silverstein. Ron, it's our old friend Ron. <laughs> yeah, Ron. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm listening in. Just got to Florida, getting in my rental car right now. The weather is great. <laughs> <laughs> Rub it in, right? <laughs> Yay! So, Ron, what's your answer to the? Um, I was actually quoting you yesterday, too, about how to look through um, FDDs and things like that. So, um, A, what's your answer to how much money should you have when you buy a franchise? And, B, what other financial advice would you give to a, a soon-to-be franchisee? Yeah, I thought uh, the answers you've given so far were, were right on. It's uh, basically... I mean, there's there's no an, there's no set answer because all franchises are different. So you go to the FDD and see what they what the franchisor estimates the uh, range for the minimum initial investment to be, and then you add some into that uh, because you want to have uh, a cushion for unexpected costs or delays or things like that, or, you know, changes in the economy. 
they definitely, as you've said, do not factor in your own living expenses. The FDD is strictly the costs of the franchise, the estimated cost for the franchise to get open and some working capital. And uh, they all have different break-even periods at startup that they'll estimate for you uh, if, if they do financial performance representations. But it can be even shorter to break even than uh, what you and Ray were talking about. Hopefully it's not longer. <laughs> okay, so then since the, the next question – um, since we have such an expert on the phone with us. Next question that I, I wanted to dive into was, Ray, you mentioned about you had a large amount of competition, and that was one of the things that um, I mentioned to the person I talked to, which was, you know, you need to, if you're telling me you're in, and I think it was probably an automotive industry, I said, if you're, if you're I said, you need to, it's, it's not just how many people are around that might use your service. It's how many, how much other competition there is from chains, mom and pops, corporate owned stores, things like that. What would you, Ray, you've, you fought competition and in a very tight area and obviously you now dominate it. How did you do that? Well, one of the things that I tried to do is create a, a, a better business model where people would want to come to me as opposed to my competition. So uh, if someone would, if I was out doing an estimate and they would say, oh, so-and-so had, you know, they're 20 bucks cheaper. And I would say, go for it, go with them. If, if the um, money aspect is something that, sh that really concerns you, then you should go with the, you know, the lowest bid. But inevitably, those people would call me back in a month or two and, and say, well, <laughs> the company I went with bailed on me just when I needed them the most. Uh, you know, I was having a party or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, can we go with the bid you, you gave me? And I said, sure. And, and that's how we retained a lot of our clients. Uh, we, we never put the uh, competition down. You know, we always said they do a great job. And, uh, and, you know, and if somebody asked me, I'd say, well, we're probably one of the higher-priced companies in the area. Uh, but uh, we have a reputation of uh, doing quality work, and we're very, very reliable. You know, so that made a difference. And, and so you're saying customer experience and word of mouth, but you do more mm -hmm. than just word of mouth marketing. Ooh, I said the M yes. word. Never mind. You have to do a lot of advertising in this day and age. There's no doubt about it. You need to get the word out, and uh, you know it has to be more than just word of mouth. And well, depending on how much business you want to do, of course, you know, uh, I mean, you can probably exist with word of mouth. Uh, I know a lot of small companies that do that, um, but uh, we do a, 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 a ton of advertising, um, I mean, and in, in not just paper advertising, meaning coupons and, and, uh, and, and direct mail, uh, but we, all, we spend an awful lot of money on online advertising as well. Ooh, online advertising. Ron, what would you tell people about um, 
dealing with their competition and dominating their area? Yeah, I think uh, first would be to see what kind of help they can get from their franchisor because the franchisors will often have uh, marketing and advertising programs uh, developed for the franchisees. Uh, and then you want to try to find out, I mean, it's basically, you know, marketing 101, find out as much as you can about your competition, do as much due diligence on them uh, as you can, even, uh, you know, sample sample their products if you can, or uh, hire them to see how they do and how they work. And the more, because I think the more you know about them, the better you're going to be at competing with them. But the, the first step, I think, is always see what your what kind of help you can get from your franchisor, uh, because you're paying for that, and uh, and then develop your own uh, to uh, to assist and support anything that they provide you or give you. Excellent. Okay, so now I'm going to remind everyone they can call in at three two three five eight zero five seven five five. We want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting us, and now a word from our first sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. We got to get Nick to get us copies of the book so we can talk about that. Okay, so the next question, the ne- next topic that. Uh, and before before you out. go there, Fred, yeah. I just want to add something to what Ron said, and, and and absolutely that is what you pay for, and you should go to your franchisor for help in that. But uh, also, other franchisees, especially if they're in the area with you, um, that's where I gained a ton of knowledge. Uh, uh, talk to you know people who are in the same boat that you are. Uh, and that's something that should be, uh, that's a, a, an asset that should be uh, utilized as well. All right. So, okay, that's that a great point. Right. So Thank what you. I'm hearing is we go to our franchisor, which uh, in the, as we line up guests, we really need to delve deep, more deeper in that second pillar, which is uh, training, mentoring, and support. Uh, but you're saying go to the franchisor first. Um, then you want to uh, well, obviously look at your competition, but you want to uh, talk to the other franchisees around you as number two, and then that, and then after that, that's when you start to um, do advertising and marketing above and beyond what you've gotten already. Is that the process I'm hearing? Yeah, and, and attend conventions and any meetings uh, of. Uh, you know the franchise. Uh, that's as as, uh, as well where you can get a ton of ideas. Awesome. Okay. So 
The next topic we're going to hit is financing, which we already kind of talked about how much money you need. But one of the questions I got asked was, is it possible to finance the purchase of a franchise? Um, I know that people can uh, finance the purchase of an existing franchise, but can you finance the purchase of a new franchise? Ray, what's your opinion? Your experience? Like a, 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 yeah, it sounds like a Ron question, but uh, as far as I know, yes, you can. Um, and I think more today than when I started mine, uh, there are some franchises available that uh, will assist you with that finance uh, if, if they don't have or, or not finance it you know, for you. And Ron, like I say, probably would know more about that than I, I would because uh, uh, at at the time I started mine, uh, I, I didn't need, uh, you know, a ton of finance. And I was just looking for what was available, and I, I was able to get it easily. That was before a 2008 crunch hit. So, uh, but maybe Ron could answer that better than I can. Take it away, Ron. Yeah, I can. I can. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Ray. Uh there's a variety of ways to finance a franchise. A lot depends on, uh, or as far as the types of financing available. A big one, and one of the most popular ones right now, is uh, SBA loan financing. So many franchisors have programs set up with the Small Business Administration, where and, and different banks in the areas of their franchisees in order to get uh, financing through the SBA and what they do is basically guarantee the loan that the lender's making and you get preferential terms when it's guaranteed by the SBA uh, but they, they will finance a number of franchises a number of franchise systems for their franchisees uh, and then there are a lot of other ways depending on the uh, the maturity level and success level of the franchisor, uh, you know, obviously uh, the well-established ones, it's not going to be that difficult to get financing as long as they've got uh, a good history. Some of the big chains now are having trouble with store closures and that can affect financing. You can also, there's also ways to finance a franchise out of uh, retirement plan funds and taking money out of uh, an IRA or 401k to put into a, to buy a franchise. Uh, there's so, a lot of things that can be done with that. Let me ask you this, Ron. Uh, between are between there the VA first loans available as well? What type of loans? Veterans VA administration. Veterans. Uh they may be. I'm not familiar with those, though. Uh, and then there, there's there's other loans, kind of standard loans that are would be available for purchases of the equipment, you know, restaurant equipment, uh, furniture and fixtures, uh, computers, things like that. Uh, there's there are standard loans. There's also companies. Fred, one of one of our contacts, uh, Terp Ricketts, who I think was on one. A show uh -huh. of uh, yours and Ray's a while back. He's with mm -hmm. a financing company 
in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Unify that uh, deals with a lot of franchisees providing financing for their startup costs and equipment. You know, it's still where you're going to need, in most cases, to put a decent amount of money down. Uh, a client of mine that just just recently bought a pet franchise uh, put. I know he wrote checks up front for about a hundred thousand for franchise fees, and uh, his total cost all in is going to be about eight hundred thousand, and he's looking to finance about six hundred of that. Uh, and he's talking to a couple different sources right now, plus looking at uh, using some retirement plan money for the financing. But, uh, okay. you know, and then you've so, got little ones where it's buying a van and scooping poop where you don't have much in the way of, co of startup costs anyway. But things like that would be more difficult to get financing, but there's less that you have to buy at startup too. So it might be you just get financing on the van that you've got to buy and customize. All right. Uh, so one thing I, I want to mention here, it, sometimes it's a little more difficult to get uh, financing for a service type franchise because there's no equipment to provide collateral. So just, just a side note on that. All right. So here's the question then. Uh, th this is a two-part question. The client that you, so in your opinion, Ron, since you're kind of the expert here, which of the two options you recommended, the SBA loan versus taking your IRA 401k and turning that into the purchase down payment, whatever, um, which would you recommend? I'd recommend I don't like using retirement plan funds uh, to buy a franchise unless that's the only way you can do it. So okay. uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm advising that client to try and get as much in the way of regular loans, regular term loans, uh, as they can, and then if necessary, use the retirement plan. They can always, if they have to, if things go wrong, uh, use retirement plan funds to pay back, you know, to make payments on the regular loans they get. But I, I, I prefer my clients to keep their retirement plan money in the retirement plans and let it keep growing tax-deferred that way rather than using it to buy a business. But sometimes that's the only way they can do it. And a lot of franchisors are uh, right off the bat are recommending that their prospects use retirement plan funds, but frankly, the franchisors, when they're in their qualifying process for new franchisees, one of the things they should be doing is making sure that uh, anybody that they're going to sell a franchise to is going to be able to afford it and, and be able to qualify for financing. One of the things when I was in the golf business with the golf store franchisor, one of the things we had to do was make sure we were selling to uh, people who, when they were a franchisee, would be able to get open, you know, open lines of credit with our vendors like Callaway and Ping and TaylorMade and Titleist. So, uh, 
you know, for us to sell a, a golf store franchise to somebody and then for their credit not to be good enough for the major vendors to sell to them, that would have been a disaster. So hopefully, uh, you know, part of the due, due diligence for a prospective franchisee would be, you know, how is your franchise, how's the franchisor handling the sales process? Are they qualifying you the way you think you should be? Do you think that you're going to be able to get enough credit to run the business the way it needs to be run? You know, those are all things that should be going through your mind when you're investigating the purchase of a franchise. Can you afford it? But there's enough models out there at different price ranges where you need you need to find the right one and there's certainly enough choices out there so that you should be able to find the right one or the right ones. Okay, so um, then the last question and then uh, and we'll bring our next our waiting caller on is how does this change if it's an existing franchise? How does financing change if it's or the does the ways you can finance the purchase of an existing franchise differ from the ways you can from financing a new franchise? Well, you have, uh, yeah, I mean, I can start. You'd have the, you'd have the same methods as before. I think that SBA loans are still available on buying an existing franchise, but then you'd also have seller financing that could come into play where the, the seller of the fran you know the the existing franchisee that you're buying the franchise from could give you a note that you pay back to them over time so that's another way another way of financing it that comes into play when you're buying an existing business absolutely i, I used uh, when i bought another existing franchise to expand my business i used both <laughs> I, uh, for the down payment, I got a, a bank loan, and then uh, the person I was buying from, uh, you know, uh, was gracious enough to extend me credit for five years, and uh, on what we on the price we had agreed upon. So you know, you need to to work all the angles if you want to call them that, uh, in order to you know expand your business and improve things. Awesome. All right. So then we'll say to caller. 805-550. Who are you? Where are you? And what's the weather like? <laughs> well, the weather is fabulous. I'm Jane. I'm in San Luis Obispo. I have a UPS store out here. Jane, good Still to hear me? from you again. Hi. Yeah, we're here. Good to hear from you. So, what so you advice would you... About the... Pardon me? Uh-huh. I, so we're talking about people, uh, things... That get in your way or things you need to deal with when you're buying a franchise. What's been your experience? You've got a very successful franchise, UPS store. We do. We've actually owned um, three franchises, two UPS stores. We just have one now, and um, we had a coffee house at one time, which, which you know, had a lot of um, allure, um, but not a lot of good bottom line. So we've done everything from buying franchises that were pre-existing from existing owners and uh, starting franchises from the ground up. I really like buying a franchise from an existing owner 
because you've got a track record, you've got experienced staff, whether you need to make changes going into it or not, it makes it very convenient. But, you know, I was just listening a minute ago when you were talking about the financing side of things, and you really do need to do your math. That would probably be one of the number one things you have to do before you, you go any further. Um, and then even after you get into a franchise, you really have to learn how to run a kite ship because it is so easy to nickel and dime yourself into absolutely no income that you can get yourself in trouble really quickly. So when you're looking at the numbers going in, you know, anticipate a low income and high expenses and, and CIGs so that you can sit out and take a look and say, realistically speaking, is this something that's going to be viable for me with how much money I need to make to sustain myself on a monthly basis? And we have a very successful franchise, and we've learned how to penny pinch in areas that don't make a difference to our customer. Um, it might make a difference to how difficult something is to do in the store sometimes, but those are give and takes that you have to do in order to be successful in business. Um, aside from that, you have to pick your location carefully because that as well hits your bottom line. If you're in a retail center and you've got neighbors who are helping uh, support the center along with you with your triple nets, et cetera, et cetera, and they vacate, all of a sudden your triple net and your costs go up because it's based on the least square footage, not how much square footage is available. So you need to choose your location and take a look at everything you're doing with your negotiations for your lease space very carefully because that can affect your bottom line when you've done absolutely nothing different and you're in a successful business. All of a sudden, your expenses can go up if you don't know the details of what's going in there. Ray, your thoughts on leases? I know you've bounced twice. Yeah. Uh, well, in my case, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. It's more about me being towards the center of my employee base because one of the uh, more difficult things in, in, in this business is finding employees. So we advertise uh, basically you know, over across the entire area and we don't have a, a storefront to speak of, but our advertising is in the form of our cars that are out on the streets you know, uh, all during the week, during the day. And uh, so our location, I mean, technically, you could be in an, an industrial area uh, for my business. It's nice if you're out where you can have a big sign out front. Uh, but, you know, it depends on the business and, and what you're doing. And, uh, and I, thinking about what Jane said, uh, I know I'm thinking of two UPS stores in my area. One is closer to the center of town. Every time I go to that store, I have to wait in line. There's another one that's closer to towards a uh, more residential area, towards the outer skirts of the town, and I usually get waited on right away. It's not that they're not doing business. I mean, I have to wait, you know, a couple times, and sometimes I walk right in. So location for a UPS store is definitely different than it is for uh, the type of business I have. Ron, your thoughts? Sure. Uh, let Ron go. We got let Ron, your thoughts? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, back, I, I like saying get some help from the franchisor uh, because if they're established, if they're an established franchisor, they usually have a good handle on what kind of locations work best for franchisees. They often will have real estate people in that in 
different areas that they'll work with to help you find uh, or at least see a couple different locations that would be good that fit their profile and uh, that are priced uh, fairly enough for you to be able to give it a good go. Uh, if it's a new type of franchise that doesn't have a lot of experience in helping its franchisees pick locations, then you might have a little more work to do. But it's still uh, location, especially for for retail businesses, as well as for many service businesses, the location can be very important. Uh, and then there's other businesses, you know, like with Ray, where it's more important to be centrally located. So to make it easy for your employees to get to you. Uh, there's a lot of home-based franchises now where the location is basically immaterial. So it's, uh, for many types of franchises, the location's incredibly important and can be almost make or break. And for others, uh, it's far less important. Jane, you were gonna say something. I'm sure it was it was astounding, but I'm going to try and recall it here in the depths of my memory. We've kind of covered a few things. One, we talked, um, Ray, Ray mentioned the signage on the front of the building and, and how important that is, and then the difficulties in marketing or the different parts of marketing you have to do by designing your clothes so that people know who you are. And there are indeed different types of franchises that have different expenses. You know, if you're in a food franchise, first of all, bless your heart. Um, that is that is probably the second most difficult, or the number one most difficult for any kind of a retail um, franchise that you would have. But the marketing side is very, very important. But what I, I was always, saying is, pardon me. I was going to say I always think the marketing is important, right, Ray? It, it is, in, yep. it is important. The M word, yes. And we're not talking about mob. <laughs> no, we're talking about the evil marketing. Okay, yeah. so um, actually, let us take a – all right, no. So we'll ask the next question. So the other question that I was discussing with the gentleman I had yesterday uh, was uh, the L word, lawyer, legal, whatever you want to call it um, and at this point, um, actually, before I go to the legal side of it, on the real estate side of it, would you all recommend um, having a commercial realtor to work with, Jane? In purchasing a franchise? Yes, assuming it's not a home-based mm -hmm. franchise. Correct. For me, personally, no. The franchisor that we have is fabulous in helping find locations. And from that end, you need the right location for the type of franchise you have. As far as negotiating the lease, the franchisor is able to help give you some guidelines. Their interest with their business model has to do with protecting the franchisor. You are the franchisee, so you have a choice. You either think you know what you're signing or you know you know what you're signing. It is not a bad idea to get an attorney, especially if this is your first time through and just call them look it over. They will probably say, yeah, it looks like a lease. You can try for this, that, and the other thing. Um, or you can get a, a, uh, a realtor on the side. But you need to make sure you know what you're signing when you sign, and you need to make sure you know what your options are going in. 
And if you haven't done it before, and even when you have, it's nice to have someone there to bounce things off of. Okay. So right now I'm going to, I'm going to come back to the lawyer side of it. You started to go into there. But, Ray, on the real estate side, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think uh, just talking to the franchisor, he should, they, they should be able to set what some of the priorities are that you need when you're finding your location. Now, in my case, they really didn't stress uh, employee central uh, location. Uh, they did stress the fact that you, you'll need Internet and more today than, than ever. Um, and, of course, in my case, I needed plumbing, but, you know, you could probably get away without that for a while because, you know, there's things that need to be washed on a, on a regular basis. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm sure that the list goes on, uh, but you should be able to get that information not only from your franchisor, but talking to other franchisees who have been through it and, uh, and what they found out that they needed more than anything. So uh, central, centrally located, in my case, to the employee base is, is, is probably the most uh, uh, important thing. Okay, Ron, your, your last thoughts on the real estate issue. Yeah, I think uh, somebody signing a lease that, which may be a long-term event with a lot of potential money going out, should always have an attorney review the lease uh, for at least the legal issues in the lease. Uh, maybe also for some help with the business terms, but the business terms of the lease, a lot of times the franchisor can help with because, uh, I mean, like Jane said, the franchisor's primary interest is protecting the franchisor, but then their next interest would be uh, terms and location that help the franchisee be successful. So there are certain things that, I think a franchisor can help with, but I, you know, in in many cases, the purchase of a franchise business is the largest investment an individual is going to make in their lifetime. It it may be, uh, in many cases, it's a larger investment than their house, and they they, I think they'd be remiss to not have legal advice when they're signing legal documents that could be looked at down the road and could cost them a lot of money uh, if somebody made a mistake on their side. All right. So definitely we'll, we'll never go wrong telling someone they need a lawyer. That's for sure. All right. So I will say that when we got the space that we got, um, we walked in, the landlord said, and out back, they tell me you can see whales in, in season. And we said, Okay, we're signing. Let's go. That's how much legal we brought in. Then again, <laughs> I can see whales from my office. None of you can. I win. So now, <laughs> and Jane's close. So Fred, what happened if the whales if the whales go away? Can you get out of your lease? Oh yeah, I, I can get out of lease anytime I want. I'd be an idiot too. Uh, do that, but yeah, no. Actually, we're going to build, buy this building eventually. Already worked that out with the landlord, so. Um, <laughs> with uh, with the uh, help of a lawyer, though, right? <laughs> oh yeah, on that one there'll be a lawyer, and then yeah. Um, 
either that or they're they're going to have to take me out of my seat three days after I'm dead is what it comes down to. So you can call in at 323-580-5575, sorry, 580-5755, and a word from our next sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises, and we want to help yours grow. And so now we're back as we go in the last uh, 15 minutes of the show. Um, we've been talking about lawyers, and everybody kind of um, agrees you should um, have one. That said, we've mentioned a, a, what, I'll con- what I consider a, a very large legal document, um, otherwise known as the cure for insomnia, the franchise disclosure document. What parts of, besides being able to cure insomnia, what parts of the FDD do you recommend people to read closely and what should they do about it? Is it um, Ray, I know what you've talked about uh, with the franchise and ex-franchisees um, b- being listed in the FDD. What's the what, so? What's the most important of it? Important part of the FDD to you, Ray? Uh, the the legals. I I poured over those every every one I received when I was looking for my franchise. So I wanted to see who was suing whom for what, and uh, you know. <laughs> I was like I, I, I've said in the show in the past. I was just shocked when I found out that the franchise I was buying didn't have any legals. And I thought it was a mistake, and I called them up immediately. And they said, well, "You know, well, we just don't have any." So I said, "Okay, I'll have to believe you." But every other one I received, there was many pages of, of uh, legal battles going back and forth. Jane, your thoughts. Well, I think the legal side is of great interest because it gives you a different perspective from the bells and whistles everyone else will tell you. But if this is your first time buying a franchise, you better just read the whole thing because it will tell you what you can and can't do. It will explain to you what your parameters are. It will let you know how much you can push the envelope and how little you can push the envelope. And it will give you a different view of how it works in general. You really can't discount one side because another side holds your interest more or another side you consider to be more important because there isn't an unimportant part of it. When you buy a franchise, whether it's your uh, franchise paperwork that you're reading, your lease that you're reading, the you know attorney agreement you're reading, you need to read everything. So that's a perfect time for that insomnia cure that you talked about. And it just reach it, highlight it, dog ear it, put your little stickers on it, and start in so that you know what it is you're doing. Ron. Yeah, I'm on uh, Jane's side here. Uh, every word 
in an FDD and a franchise agreement is important. And the reason I say that, Fred, is I was on the side of the franchisor for four and a half years and with primary responsibility for drafting that document uh, and, and, and then, uh, you know, drafting it with our law firm. But we would, dra- we would go through it first and, and edit it up, and then it would go to them. But we would spend time on every word, and it might be may, shall, will. I mean, every word in there is in there for a reason and means something. And, you know, for prospective franchisee, it may be not in their sweet spot to spend time reading a full document like that, but then you can hire somebody. So one of the things I do, I'll get hired by clients to go through the FDD for them and explain it to them and uh, make sure that uh, how they understand things to be are really how they're stated in the, in the FDD. And, uh, you know, but every, every section, every word, in that document uh, is important and is in there for a reason. Okay. I have to agree. I have to agree with Ron. Well, actually, both of you guys. And I don't want to be misunderstood and thinking that one should not read the rest of the FDD. Uh, and and what Ron says is is so true. And one of the particular uh, things that you might want to, uh, as an example, one of the things that you might want to consider is can the franchise or open up another store just like yours down the street you know and obviously you know that's something that you've got to pay attention to and it could be just a matter of how that particular paragraph is worded uh, that, that they would be allowed to or not allowed to yeah and right to that, that point my uh my client buying the pet franchise uh the franchisor has a right to open up stores within three miles of uh, of other stores, and while yep. they don't have, they only have a few company stores right now. The franchise or uh, they have that right, and they have that right to sell other stores, you know, within three miles of his. And uh, we went over that in detail because I didn't like that provision, but uh, he was okay with it, figuring that if he's successful. And there's a good territory open three miles away. He'll be the one to do it because he had uh, he had the opportunity to add more stores. So it didn't concern him, but uh, we did spend a lot of time on it because it concerned me. Okay, so since we're talking, we're kind of on this one. Let's uh, continue down this road and say... Um, what happens if the franchisor goes under? What should that be spelled out in the agreement, the the agreement that they sign? Is that important? Does if franchisor goes under, does everyone go under automatically, or you know what happens there? Anybody? Well, you know, Nobody wants to that happen. Read that again. That's huh? something that yeah. I'm sure I read in the. Be- Sorry, am I talking over someone? No, go ahead, Jane. No, go ahead. Okay. So I'd, I'd have to go back and reread that um, to find out um, what would happen, but I, I think I would have a clue it was coming before it actually came. Um, and I don't remember at this point 
been too many years as far as what it said if that were to happen. I can tell you that um, the UPS store went through a transition here about 20 years ago when it used mailboxes, et cetera, and it transitioned into the UPS store. At this point, we talk with friends who are also franchisees and friends who are area franchisees who basically own the air around a certain area and they get money from our royalties in order to liaison between our corporate office and us as individual owners. And if they ever went bankrupt or decided to close their doors for whatever reason they chose to, we've got a brick-and-mortar building that people come to that we could transition and do something if there was no other things available. If you have a franchise that owns air and the franchise goes belly up, you might be in a different position than I am. So I guess I'd have to go back and read my paperwork to find out what my options are at that point. But today, I can tell you as I look towards the future and I look at what UPS is doing, what the UPS store corporate is doing, and what we're doing as an individual store, I'm not seeing that as a possibility. And if I did, I would certainly do my research again because what I remember from 10 years ago might not be what is actually going to happen. Okay. So, Fred, I uh, have experience uh, Go on that because I was with one. I was with one that went bankrupt. And uh, often what happens is it's just become a cluster, whatever, for the franchisees because they have little that they can do. And through bankruptcy court, you know, going bankrupt, it would be your liabilities uh, far exceed your assets. And what happens a lot of times is they'll be put up for sale to try and get however much money they can get to pay the bills. And they'll be sold. Mm -hmm. And normally the franchise agreements and the FDD give the franchisor and its management team all kinds of rights to sell to somebody else at any time they want to with the franchisee not being able to do anything. So it's kind of, uh, you know, a part of the franchisee's due diligence up front when they're looking at it. But franchise contracts go for such a long period of time usually. You know, it can be 10 or 15 years with option periods to extend that you really don't know what's going to happen down the road. And it's just something that's out of your control uh, most of the time. And, uh, you know, you, you just kind of hope it doesn't happen. Or if you start sniffing like that might be in the air, then you might want to look at selling your franchise before it's too late. But certainly brands can go through great harm if the franchisor goes through bankruptcy. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really on the, the, the franchisee's part to just understand what their rights are, if they have any rights at all, if something like that's going to happen. And, and sometimes all that happens is they stop, they stop paying their royalties and do whatever they can to cut their losses, but it, it's a difficult situation when something like that happens. Ray, your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are actually, I would like to ask uh, Ron, what would be some of the indicators that would give you some indication that this might be happening? Yeah, and this will go back to what you said earlier, Ray, on looking at the legal part of the FDD. 
So when the when the group I was with uh, that went bankrupt uh, went bankrupt, we had been having issues with franchisees, but ultimately it related to an issue with an employee that sued and uh, was victorious and then the company declared bankruptcy and got put up for sale and then went through a couple different bankruptcies and went from 100 and 150 plus stores down to I think there's still a few stores out there using the name still but uh, you know basically went out of business and uh, it was very bad for everybody the franchisees it was bad for the vendors of the franchisees there was a lot of blood spilled over that so you know you've got the financials of the company if they're a public company uh you've got all their reports to where sometimes uh you know or the stock price if it's a mcdonald's or a buffalo wild wings uh it's just kind of keeping up on things as to how the, the system is doing or a bunch of stores closing, uh, you know, snipping things out when you're at the annual convention. Uh, what's the overall mood of everybody there? Are the franchisees having success? Is there a lot of turnover at the top of the franchisor? Uh, you know, there's not one indicator, but sometimes red flags just start popping up that are giving you warning signs. You know, maybe a new group comes in and buys it, buys the franchise and the management team that was there when you bought your franchise and that you had put all your faith and confidence in, you know, sold out because uh, they were ready to retire or whatever, and uh, the new team just doesn't get it. Uh you know, there's not one warning sign. There's a bunch of different things that uh, that can happen, which might start you worrying about your future success. And then, uh, you know, what can you do as a franchisee if you're getting worried? You can try to sell. Uh, you know, some franchisees have actually become the COO, CEOs of the franchisor. And bought the franchisor because they could thought they could do a better job. You know, it's like employees buying the businesses that they work at, or uh, you know, a restaurant manager buying a franchise in that system because he's good enough and smart enough to have his own. There's a lot of different things that can sometimes uh, help solve the problem, but it, it is a problem and can cause a lot of anguish and grief and lost sleep. Okay, so Ray, so, you got about three minutes on the show. What last, what question do you want to ask? Since I've been asking most of them. Well, I, I think I just want to add a little bit to what Ron was saying, and and I think some of it has to do with how established the brand is. Uh, you know, if you, if you're with a startup company, the chances of that happening are probably greater. Uh, with a, a more established brand. Uh, I think Molly made is about 30, at least 35, maybe 40 years old. Uh, I don't anticipate that happening with that brand. Uh, and some of the indicators would, uh, especially, and here again is another reason to attend conventions, because uh, you'll begin to hear uh, people you know, gossiping about what's going on in corporate, uh, and you'd be able to get an indication of, of, of which way the company is going. So, uh, 
here again, you, you, you get ideas from attending conventions uh, to improve your business and maybe find out what's going on if you want to sell your business. So uh, attending conventions are very important. Okay, so Ron, how do people, who's your company and how do people get a hold of you? Uh, my, my CPA firm, Fred, is francpaplc.com. Uh, we have a website, office phone number is 248-331-5465. We work with franchisors and we work with franchisees. Wow, Fran CPA, you, I guess you do work with franchises. Jane, how do people yeah. get a hold of you? Well, we're What's at the UPS store in San Luis Obispo, California. Um, we are on Broad Street. The phone number there is 805-549-0200, and you can call anytime during open hours. We'll be there. All right. So, Ray, we're almost at the, almost the end of October. Any last words on the month of October and what this month is? Well, of course, it's Domestic Violence Month, and uh, I think Awareness Month. Needs to, Awareness Month, and everybody needs to be made aware of that. That there is help available for anybody out there who uh, either has a, you know, a situation or knows of somebody having a situation that they need help with, and uh, that's you know one of the things, one of the reasons that. Uh, I chose this particular franchise is because they're doing work in that area of uh, domestic violence awareness, and uh, I suggest that anybody who is looking for a franchise try to find a franchise that is allowing you to uh, help uh, be part of your community. And as Ray said, we want to end domestic violence, but we want to improve domestic violence awareness. Get it right that time, Ray? Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks uh, to Ron Silverstein and Gene Costu. Ray and I had another good time. At least I think we did, Ray. Didn't we? I did. I always did. Okay. Ron, did you have a good time? I had a great time, Fred. Jane? It was wonderful. So, Jane, we're going to be doing another show very soon on women in franchising, and we want you on that, but I'll talk to you about that one later. So this is Fred McMurray with Ray Pillar on the Pillars of Franchising, bringing you the secrets of uh, franchising success. Uh,